Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. If you don't know it, if you're visiting today, we are doing a series called Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad was a TV show a couple years ago. Um, it ran for about six years and it's very popular. And what was interesting about this uh, TV show, it was a uh, high school chemistry teacher who had, he literally broke bad. He had things going on in his life. And because of that, he made some bad decisions. And it seemed like every bad decision he made seemed to work out, but it just took him further down the wrong path. And so if, if you think about uh, what he was going through, Walter had a couple things going on in his life. Number one is he was a high school teacher. So if you know anything about high school teachers, uh, sometimes we realize that, that, well, probably most of the time, they're probably not paid as much as they're worth as far as what they're doing. And he was no different. He was, had a salary that wasn't that much. And so because of that, um, when he found out that his wife was pregnant, that just added one more financial crisis to his family. And then on top of all that, his teenage son was battling cerebral palsy. And then um, he finds out that he has terminal cancer. So this is what's going on in his life. And, and he started rationalizing that because of all this, his family wasn't going to be taken care of. And so he made a desperate decision. And the desperate decision he made was to start manufacturing meth. And his life started to change. And so I, I kind of uh, put the, the slogan on the show is, a journey from the homeroom to the gates of hell. Because that's exactly what happened to Walter White. And each time he thought he was making a, the decision that he needed to make, but it just got him closer and closer to a place that he didn't want to go. You know, last week I talked to you about the, an appetite for destruction. And the, the verse the, that we're using for this passage is 1 John 2.16, where it talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And last week I, I spoke about the lust of the eyes and how that King David was a very good example of what happens when the lust of the eyes or greed takes over us. Here's a man who had anything he wanted, and God even told him, you could have had anything, all you had to do was ask. And yet he chose to steal from someone else. That's what we call greed. And you know, the, the truth of the matter is a lot of us may struggle with that. We may struggle with that appetite for destruction and, and find out we're one urge away from making a lot of bad decisions. Well, today what I want to do is I want to talk about the pride of life. And the pride of life, I specifically want to talk to us today about living with a purpose. And when you hear me say the word purpose, think about this, a God-sized dream. And I'm going to show you someone in the Bible who was born for a purpose, who had a God-sized dream on his life, and in the end, it all came crashing down. 
And you know, I don't believe that God puts these stories in the Bible as an accident. I believe he puts them there for us for a very particular reason and that they are stories that resonate throughout the centuries and resonate today in 2018. You know, the most basic question that a lot of us ask is, why am I here? That's an easy question. Uh, Rick Warren, a pastor out in California, wrote a book about the purpose-driven life. And outside of the Bible, it's the number one bestseller since it was written. Why? Because I believe all of us want to know why we're here. That We want to know that our life has significance. We want to know that there's a reason why we wake up each day. And if you go to self-help books inside the bookstore, what they're going to tell you is to look within. Find out what you want, and and that's probably what you need to pursue. But what I would challenge you is that I I want you to go a little deeper, and and I would say start with God. Because I'm going to show you today that God has a purpose for each of us here. God has a purpose for those who will listen to this sermon. God has a purpose for every one of us. The question is, are we going to find out what that purpose is? If you have your note takers and you pull that out, you'll see the first Um, note that I'd I'd recommend you fill in and and it's this when we live on purpose we find out that purpose is a pathway to meaning because if you find somebody who doesn't if, if they can't tell you what their purpose in life is they'll probably struggle with the meaning of life but you'll find people that know exactly why they're here and what they're doing. And they go through each day. And, and there's, sometimes there's not enough hours in the day. They need more time. Why? Because they've got a purpose to accomplish and it hasn't been accomplished yet. Well, what I want to share with you is to think about it differently. And that is to learn to be a means to an end. A lot of us end up being the end when we think about our lives. We think about, what, how, how is that job going to work out? How high do I need to get up there? And when you get there, you'll find out that it's not all that you thought it was going to be. And so if, if we'll look at it different and decide to be the means instead of the end. I think about this, a shovel. What's the purpose of a shovel? It digs holes. All right. Now, I would bet if we went into most everybody's garage, you probably have a shovel in there. Now, you don't pull that shovel out when it's time to mow the grass. It wouldn't give you much meaning. Frustration, yes. Meaning, no. And the same thing is true in our lives. God has a purpose for each of us. Now, I don't know if you're a shovel in in God's world, but God has a, a purpose for you to accomplish. And believe it or not, it's probably not necessarily the promotion at work. It's probably not that certain salary. It's probably not a certain house or a certain car or a certain uh, place that we live. Instead, God wants to use you to accomplish something else. Um, I was reading an article and it was talking about a a company whose one of the things that they manufactured was drills. And the owner said, look, guys, we are not selling drills. And probably everyone looked at him like, what's he talking about? Does he not work at the same place? He says, what we're selling is holes. Because that's why people buy the drill. And, and I thought about it this way. Um, when, when we were working on a house down in Mississippi, I ended up buying a bunch of those Black & Decker uh, cordless drills. Man, I think I had five of them. 
all right, and 20 of the batteries. And then uh, a couple years ago, we were over at uh, First Baptist O'Fallon, and we were helping do a setup for um, Team Impact coming in, and we were putting together the stage expansion, and like all of us brought our drills, all right, I brought a couple. But there was this one guy there, he had this drill, he had this little Bosch, I mean, it, it was barely the size of your hand, but it was an uh, impact drill, and it was just as they were starting to transfer over to the lithium batteries, which if, if you men know what I'm talking about, the battery goes from this to this. And so this, this one little drill, like all of our drills were sitting on the front row of the, the pew. Why? Because this one little Bosch impact drill, tiny, was able to do everything. Well, you know what I did that week? I went and bought me a Bosch. And so now all I have is these, all these other drills that are gathering dust because they weren't meeting the purpose. See, the purpose wasn't to have a drill. Well, okay, maybe it was. All right. Um, it, so husbands, I'm trying to cover us here. So that time we come back from Lowe's, like, why did you get that? And, uh, you know, there is a purpose somewhere in there. We just, you know, we just don't know God's will for that drill right now. But I found out that the Bosch drill was a means to an end. And because of that, I use it everywhere I go. I travel with it now. Because if I ever need, I want this one. Why? Because it got me to the, mean, to the end. It was willing to be the means. And you know what? In our lives, we have to be willing to be the means to the end. Because if we don't, what we'll find out is that we become the end. And when we're the means to the end, well, that's all we end up with is ourselves. Let me give you this uh, little saying here, and that is we have to learn to say no to you. I have to learn to say no to me so that I can say yes to something bigger than me. You have to learn to say no to you so that you can learn to say yes to something much bigger than you. Because I'm convinced that God did not bring us here together as a body of believers just so that we can have a service on Sunday morning. Now, this is one of the things he wants us to do. But I believe that he's got so much more in store for us. And we have to say no to ourselves and say yes to whatever God wants us. Become the means to the end that God wants to lead us to, wants to use us for. Because when we talk about why am I here, at the end of the day, we all want to belong to something greater than ourselves. Well, Samson was definitely born for a purpose. If you'll look at uh, Judges chapter 13, verse 5, I want to read this to you. And it says this, For indeed, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, what you don't know, unless you go back and read in, uh, earlier in the chapter, Samson's mother and father were barren. They had no kids. They weren't going to have any children. And then an angel appeared to the mother and said that you're going to have a son. Well, she didn't believe him. And so she told her husband and he didn't believe her. And so the angel appeared again. And this is what he says. For indeed, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You must never cut his hair because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth. And listen to this. And he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. What was the purpose of Samson? He was, his, his purpose was to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. And the reason why was, if, if you don't know anything about the Bible, the Philistines were some big, rough, and tumble kind of guys. They went and they took everything by force. 
And if you didn't have enough force to stand up to them, you became a slave to them. And that's exactly, Israel had now been a slave to the Philistines for 40 years. And what you'll find out is that Samson was raised up by God before he was even conceived for the purpose of standing up to the Philistines. He literally became an army of one, and his whole design was to destroy the Philistines. And you'll find out that he was pretty good at that. But there was something that was unique about him, and that was he was a Nazarite. And now, when, we, when, when you hear the word Nazarene or Nazarite, here is some things you need to understand. Number one is, it was voluntary. Now, for Samson, not so much. He was called before he was born to be a Nazarite. For other Israelites, they had the choice that if they wanted to, uh, they could voluntarily become a Nazarite. Now, it could be for men or women, didn't matter, and they would pick a specific time frame. It could be a year, it could be seven years, it could be 20 years. Whatever the vow was that they made to God and the reason they made it, um, they had that choice. And what you, the thing about a Nazarene or a Nazarite, they had to uh, meet certain specific restrictions. And, and it was three very clear ones. Number one was that they were not to cut their hair their entire life, during the period of. So for in, in the case of Samson, his entire life. They were not to have any wine. Matter of fact, they told him when they were giving advice to Samson's parents, don't even let him eat grapes. And not only that, but um, they're not allowed to touch dead bodies. Now, we're all probably, ah, you know, I'm okay with that piece of it. All right. But this was the, 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 the rules that were given to Samson's parents. And so you can imagine for 100, 200, 300,000 times Samson was reminded as he was growing up these three rules. Don't cut your hair, don't drink wine, and don't touch anything dead. And then what would happen is at the end of that time period, whether it was a year or seven years or 20 years, um, they would um, cut their hair. And what's interesting was they would offer up three sacrifices. And the third sacrifice that they would offer up was called a peace offering. And while the peace offering was uh, being burnt, they would take the hair that they cut off and they would throw that into the fire. All right? So this is what's happening whenever you see the word Nazarite. And that's exactly what Samson was doing. Well, let me share with you some of his accomplishments. The first thing that happened that set Samson apart from other men in Israel was that he killed a lion. Larry's walking along, and I don't know about you, but I've seen some videos on YouTube about lions, and they're pretty big and they're pretty fast. Well, this pretty big and this pretty fast lion runs up to Samson, and he literally grabs the jaw and rips it apart and kills it and throws the carcass off to the side. I mean, he could do that, right? He was Samson. Well, not long after that, his whole purpose was to bring affliction to the Philistines, and so he killed 30 Philistines. Now, for someone to kill one or two guys or three guys, that, you know, you would talk about that, like, whoo, that guy's, he's something else. When you kill 30 of them, they're going to talk about you everywhere. And that's exactly what started happening. They started talking about Samson. They started worrying about Samson. Why? And what was happening was the Israelites were starting to get emboldened. Why? Because we've got Samson. 
And then all of a sudden, there, there was a little bit of uh, decisions that Samson made, and he came to the point where he got mad at the Philistines again because he had a wife that was promised to him, and they gave the, her away. And so he caught 300 foxes, tied to them by twos uh, by the tail. He, he put a torch on it, and then he sent them out into all the different fields, and it burnt down all of the stores that they had. Now, you know, for us here, if something like that happened, we just go to Walmart in a different town. They didn't have that. This was how they were going to live. So life became miserable for the Philistines. And so they approached the Israelites, and they started um, beating up on the Israelites some more. They couldn't do it on Samson, so they started beating up the Israelites. And the Israelites are like, what are you doing this to us for? We're working for you. We're doing everything you ask. And they told them, because of Samson, do you know what he did? He burnt down everything with these foxes. Well, 3,000 of them go and surround where Samson was. Now, these are Israelites. These are not Philistines. 3,000 surround Samson, and he sees what's going on, and he says, what, what are you guys doing? I'm on your side. And they told him what's happening. He goes, all right. He goes, you're going to kill me? And they're like, no, we're not going to kill you. And he goes, all right, you go ahead and tie me up. And so they tied him up, and they gave him over to the Philistines. And when he got um, close to the Philistines, and the, um, I can just imagine this, the 3,000 Israelites were just running. And he snapped the ropes that bound him. And there was a donkey that had been recently killed, and he ripped the jawbone off of it. And he killed 1,000 Philistines. And not only that, but if you, if you read the, the passage in Judges, he talks about how he stacked them up by heaps. You know, I don't know, was he stacking them by hundreds? Doesn't matter. He was doing this. And he was very proud of that. And the Philistines were very scared when one man, an army of one, who's been told his whole entire life. And you know, if he was told, do you think the other Israelites were told? Yes. That word had gotten out that Samson was here to save us. And so he, he kills a thousand Philistines and they are upset. Well, they find out that Samson staying the night in Gaza. And the city of Gaza was fortified, had one of the biggest walls of that time, and some of the, and it only had one gate, and this gate was massive. I've, I've been told that the wood was um, 16 inches, and that the, the post went down 10 feet into the ground. And when Samson woke up about midnight, and the whole entire town is deserted and silent, he knows something's up, and he, he probably God told him what was going on. And so he went and ripped the gates out of the ground. And, and it's not enough to do that and just throw them off to the side. And then he carried them 30 miles away. He embarrassed the Philistines. Here they were. They came to capture him. They thought they had it. And when he came out, they were ready. They had armies. And at midnight, he rips the gate walls or the gate of the walls off and carries it 30 miles away. Samson knew what it was like to live with purpose. He knew what it was like to do what God wanted in his life. But here's what happens. Sometimes we try to manage our lives our own way, but it doesn't work out. Samson did this. Here, Samson, ordained by God in his mother's womb, decides that he, doesn't, he wants to do it his way. There was only three rules. What were they? Don't cut your hair. Don't drink. 
Don't touch dead animals. And what you'll find out is if you read the book of Judges and you find out about Samson, you'll find out that one of his weaknesses was women. And I'm confident that one of the things when he was with those women was he was drinking wine and maybe some other things. And not only that, that same lion that he killed, he came back sometime later, long enough for a swarm of bees to build a, uh, a nest in there. And then he saw that and he reached in and he grabbed the honey out and he's walking down the road eating this honey. And he's a Nazarite. He's not supposed to have touched anything dead. He's eating something that came out of a dead carcass. And you know the story of Samson and Delilah, right? He finally gives up and tells her what she needs to do, which allowed them to cut his hair. Let me read 1 John 2 and 16 to you. It says, For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of, in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Folks, each of us have a God-given purpose. But just like Samson, we may find ourselves rationalizing and justifying why we don't have to do it God's way. And I promise you, when we do that, when we find the solution, when we've got a better way of doing it than what God has lined up for us, what we'll find out is that we'll end up just like Samson. You see, the pride of life tells us that we are going to manage our own lives our own way, but it just never works out that way. And you'll find out when you don't pursue your purpose or your God-given dream, you'll find out that you become driven by destructive influences, just like Samson did. He allowed the very things that stood against everything as a Nazarite to influence him. And he didn't just get exposed to it, he embraced it. Think about this. The entire purpose of his life was to do what to the Philistines? Was to disrupt them, to scare them, to kill them. So what does he do instead? I want to take my wife from one of the Philistines. Not only that, he started hanging out with them. Everything against his purpose that God had planned for him. And when we start doing this, the proverbial wheels in life fall off. Our God-sized dreams coming down. And let me tell you, I have a little bit of experience with wheels coming off. A few years ago, I lived in Biloxi, Mississippi, and I had, um, we had, had some property uh, about 35 minutes away. And on the way home, I was pulling a, a trailer, and I decided to stop by Lowe's, and I loaded up with a bunch of um, uh, pavers that we were going to use at a, a new property that we had purchased. And I got on the road, and as I got on the road, I noticed that the trailer started getting a little uh, squirrely on me. All right, and, and I don't know if it's the right thing, but I had been told that when a, a trailer does that to you, you know, accelerate and, and take positive control over the trailer. So I accelerated. I took positive control over the trailer. And then guess what the trailer did? It got a little squirrely again on me. I was like, well, you know what I need to do? Accelerate. All of a sudden, I'm doing 90 miles an hour on this road trying to stay in front of this trailer that's trying to take over the vehicle that I'm driving, and then I, I, I don't know what happened first, but I noticed this splash, these sparks in my, my passenger side mirror, and then about the time I saw that, I also noticed something go by my vehicle, and it looked like a tire bouncing. 
Come to find out it happened to be the tire that belonged to that trailer and it only had two of them. And so now I pull off the side of the road. <laughs> you can imagine I'm having a wonderful time. The first three people I call up, to include my wife, all blew me off. They're like, I don't have time to come help you. Three of my dearest friends. And that's what happens when the wheels come off in life. That's what happens when you know what your purpose is. You, you're doing it. And then all of a sudden you decide I'm going to do it a little different. And what, what I decided was I knew that the weight should be in front of the axle. But I was in a hurry and I decided to, you know what, it's probably going to even itself out. And, and if it doesn't, I'm a good driver. Well, apparently I found out that physics have nothing to do with my driving ability. And in real life, our God-given dreams, our purpose comes crashing down on us. And we wonder why all this is happening. Now, we always have that conversation. We know why, right? We just don't say that out loud when other people are, are asking. You see, the reality is that actions have consequences. Pride, the pride of life, asks the wrong questions. You see, the pride of life is always interested in the radio station WIIFM, and that is, what's in it for me? Samson wanted to know, what was it, what's in it for him? I'll kill all the Philistines for you, God, but what's in it for me? And so he consumed the lust and desires that he had. And the reality is that when we want to live out God's dream, the purpose that he has given to us, we should be asking this question, who am I here for? And I would ask you that this morning, who are you here for? Who can you be the means to an end for? Because I'm pretty sure that God's got who's that are ministering to you and taking care of you. And what God wants you to do is to be that purpose, serve his purpose, and minister to other people. Because it's then that we become the means to the end and not the end. It's no longer about filling your name there. Because when we don't, we're always going to come back to the same conclusion, and that is sin will take us farther than we want to go. You know, all Samson wanted was a, a wife from the Philistines. And if you read, you'll find out that when he went to Gaza, he actually went to be with a prostitute there. And you're going to find out that when you decide to let pride speak to you more than God's will, that sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Here was a man that God had ordained to, to taunt and to hurt the Philistines, and instead he ended up being in a Philistine prison. And you'll find out that if you listen to pride, that sin will cost you more than you want to pay. I'm confident that Samson did not want to lose his eyes. And I'm confident that he didn't want to die that way. And I'm confident that God had so much more for him planned. But he listened to the pride of life. And he started rationalizing, doing it his way instead of God's way. And he found out the hard way that sin was going to do this to him. But this is the incredible thing about the Bible. That we can learn what Samson learned. And that was this, that without purpose, we, we don't live, we merely exist. What do you think Samson's life was like in prison? 
All I remember is what I've seen on some of the movies, and that was he was uh, just walking this circle, grinding meal for them, probably making up for all the stuff that he burnt down with the foxes. He wake up, they tie him, and he grind. And he did that year after year. But you'll find out, like Samson, that in spite of our past, it's never too late, folks. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you're thinking about right now, in spite of all of that, God is still willing to use us. He used Samson. In chapter 16 and verses 24 and 29, it says this, He called out to the Lord, Lord God, please remember me and strengthen me. God just wants more. And with one act of vengeance, let me pay back the Philistines. I don't know that this was the right thing to say, but you know what? God heard him. Let me pay back the Philistines for my two eyes. And so Samson took a hold of the two middle pillars supporting the temple, and he leaned against them, one on his right hand and one on his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell and the, on the leaders and all the people in it. And the dead he killed at his death were more than those that he had killed in his life. See, you can't tell me after reading the, the story of Samson that it doesn't matter about your past, that God won't use you again. And I would just ask you to listen to the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart right now. I don't care if you're in the midst. You're in the pile. You're in. You're breaking bad and you're, the wheels in life are coming down. God is willing to use you. See, that's all he's got to choose from. And when you realize that, it's not about you. It's about him and what he's done. He's able to use us. And how do we do that? Well, we decide to make good decisions instead of breaking towards bad decisions. What does that look like? Well, it's very simple. If I were you, I would decide to find a purpose. You know, one of the things that you're going to hear from me as your pastor over the next who knows how long is, I believe that there's, there's next steps that we, any of us can take. You know, the first step is we have to get in. We have to become a Christian. If you're not a Christian today and there's something missing in your life, I beg you to take the first step and to claim your identity in Christ. Well, the second step, or the next step, is to find purpose. And I believe that you can find your purpose here at Temple Baptist Church. God has a place to use you. And, and here are three very simple things that you should decide. First of all, I would challenge you to decide to become the means to an end and not the end itself. Believe it or not, I don't get up here to preach just to preach. It's all about speaking to your hearts. It's all about delivering the message that God has given me for you. So I want to become the means to the end, not just a preacher. The second thing is that you should decide to find out who you're here for and not what you're here for. Folks, if you'll just start looking at life about who can you minister to, I promise what you've been through, the past that you've survived, the scars that you bear, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, those scars will minister to somebody else. You're not the only one that's going through a divorce. You're not the only one who's struggling with your children. You're not the only one who got fired at your job. 
You're not the only one struggling financially. I promise you, I could get an amen all across this room many times over in each one of those areas. And unless you recognize and you decide that you will become the purpose for somebody else, that your life will mean something so that it can be used to help somebody else, you're probably going to rationalize and let the pride of life get to you. Another decision I think we can make when it comes to finding our purpose is this. Decide to serve a cause greater than yourself. I believe this. That just like that song we sang, at some point, he's going to take us home. At some point, all of us are going to cease to breathe. Yet, we talk and we throw this word legacy around all the time. But I promise you, legacy is not in a building. Legacy is not in a bank account. Legacy is not in a house. It's not in a business that you build. Legacy is in the people that you impact throughout your life. Legacy is what the Sunday school teacher to D.L. Moody has. And here's what I would ask you as a church. If we're going to look to find purpose, pull out your note taker and look on the back. I put a quote there for us. And it says this, and this is by Andy Stanley. It says, those who devote themselves to themselves will ultimately have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. Let me read that to you again. Those who devote themselves to themselves will ultimately have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. But here's the part I didn't put in there just because the box wasn't big enough. But if you devote yourself to more than yourself, you will ultimately have more than yourself to show for yourself. That's why we want to serve a cause greater than ourselves. That's why we want to serve a who, not a what. Let me give you the secret. You want, to find you want to find purpose in your life? I believe that there's, if it was a recipe, if you could find these three things, and they're probably right there for you to grab right now, and maybe you just didn't understand this, but put these three things together, and that is, first of all, what speaks to your heart? If you find something that speaks to your heart, and then you sprinkle in a little bit of opportunity... And then you mix it up with a big old dose or serving of skill. So you heard us ask earlier, we need helpers in the nursery. And, and folks, we don't need everybody to be in the nursery. Because have you, all right, have you ever volunteered to do something at church that wasn't part of your purpose? And you ended up doing it because you had been asked to do it. Or you end up doing it because you felt like there was a need that you had to do that. And then all of a sudden, three years later, you dread coming to church because you have to do this one little thing that you thought was your purpose but you knew wasn't. And here's what I tell you. Is that that's not what God does to us with our purpose. He doesn't put something on you that's going to drain you he gives you something that when you're done, it energizes you. And, you know, and if you love holding little kids or if you love getting down on the ground and high-fiving toddlers, we could use you in the nursery. And what's amazing is that if, uh, just as Ray said, if eight of you would volunteer, 
You could still be in here seven Sundays out of eight. Now, guess what's going to happen? Our nursery's going to grow. And as it grows, we're going to need more people. Surprise, surprise, we don't just need nursery workers here in the church. I don't know if you realize that, but we could probably use a couple more ushers than we had this morning. Not only that, but we need some more Sunday school teachers. Not only that, but we need some more people on our first impressions team. Now, I'm just looking, and what I see is the crowd seems to get a little bit larger each week. I don't think it's going to stop. I don't think that, that God's purpose for us is to, to put a certain number in this sanctuary. But I do believe that God has a purpose for us that will, remember, it's not about the what numbers. It's about the who. Who can we reach that's outside these doors? And then we come in here for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. We get recharged so that we can do what? Get back out there and reach them again. Because, you know, there's 167 hours from the time that we'll leave here at 12 o'clock until we come back again next week. What are we going to do with those 167 hours? That's where we find the purpose. That's where when we take that, that thing that's on our heart and we combine it with an opportunity. Ah, they need this at the church. And then we sprinkle in a little bit of skill. We find purpose in our lives. And what's amazing is, I just mentioned three or four things, but there are things that I'm not even thinking about that God's put on your heart that you just need to ask. Say, you know what, this seems funny, but, you know, the Lord's been saying something to me, and you're going to bring it up, and you're going to find out from the pastors and the deacons, we've been praying about that exact same thing. But if you don't say anything or we don't happen to say it out loud when you're around us, we won't know that we robbed you of an opportunity to find your purpose, to understand your God-given dream, and to bless other people. And I can tell you as your pastor, I don't want that to happen. I want to find where you're good, where God has set you up, and we want to embrace that. Well, I'll tell you this. The most catastrophic result of our decision to sin is this, and that is separation from God. I want to read a, one Bible verse to you in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. It says this, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Ladies and gentlemen, it's in Christ that you'll find out who you are, the answer to the question that all of us want to know, and what you're living for. You see, long before we heard of Christ, he had his eye on us. When did he have it on Samson? Before his mother conceived him. I think he did the same thing to a guy named John the Baptist. I'm pretty sure that Samson and John the Baptist aren't the only two people that God ordained their life before they were born. I'm pretty sure there's a, a verse in Jeremiah that says, I know the plans I have for you, to prosper you, to grow you. And it said he had designs on us for a glorious living. And the last thing is part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. So just in case you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor Ronnie. That doesn't apply to me. No, no. Ephesians 1.11 says in everything and everyone. Everything and everyone that's here today, God has a purpose. He's had his eye on you. He's been speaking to your heart if you're listening. The question is, will we respond? Or will we listen to the other voice that's speaking to us? And that's the pride of life. 
And it says, you know what? I know I need to do this, but I'm going to do this. And, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I've done that many times in my life. Where I knew I needed to do this, but I decided to do this. And five, seven, nine years later, the wheels in life came off. And the God-sized dream that I had crushed. And then you know what? I realized that, you know, in spite of my past, in spite of making that decision and going in that direction and abandoning God's will for my life, he gave me another opportunity. He put something in my heart. He gave me an opportunity. And I applied the skill that he's blessed me with. And then all of a sudden, I see God's purpose. I see God-sized dream come back. But i got to be careful because the pride of life can easily tell me, you know what, things are going good. Now I can go back. You know what, I really do want to do this again. I know it didn't work last time, but I'm pretty sure now it will. And if I'm not careful, I'll find myself just like Samson in prison again. And maybe this time I do lose my eyes. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight. 